Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vin. And we've got a special set of guest millennials on today, Jante and Rob, as well as the lovely Caitlin. So exciting topic. Uh, we're talking about rites of passage. And Z, this idea came up. I think you and Jante were talking about it, where in a person's life, we go through different tests, different rituals, and that's just part of growing up. So we talked about getting your first job. And what does that do? Well, if you have a job, you've got a certain responsibility. You have to make sure that you show up on time. You have to manage yourself, your energy. You can't be out late drinking all night. Or if you are, you deal with the consequences. If you're sick, you suck up, you deal with it, and you plow through whatever uncertainty and discomfort you're facing to make sure that you get the job done, you get your paycheck, you can go home, eat, pay the rent. So it builds a certain amount of character. We talked about martial arts as well, and you mentioned that the progression through different belts is really a way to emulate other masters and walk in their path and enhance your ability, uh, maybe resonate with them on the same frequency each time you successively progress through one of these tests. So it's in some sense a ritual, but in some sense there's some real significance behind it uh, because we're building skills along the way. We're building that character, that fortitude, which gives us a better ability to manage life, uh, which is all, which is a big theme of what we talk about. So as we've been observing, the rites of passage are either declining or to the extent that they're there, they're not given the same value. They become more tokens, uh, more empty symbols without really substance behind them. Start us off over there. What, What has happened to the rites of passage that maybe you've gone through, I've gone through, uh, but at this point are starting to fade out of our culture. Vin, we often talk about being at in, in an era of time that has been spoken about in literally every culture has talked about the challenging times of human civilization as we evolve as a species. And we're, we're witnessing that in a very short window of time where rites of passages um, on a very deep internal level were expressed socially with honor. Those things are, are, are not honored, though they are important. Why are they important? Because along with every achievement, rank, and so forth comes a responsibility. You take away any of those things, and again, it's, it's empty. It's, it's, the quality has gone down. Um, you look at things that are instant. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets an award. So there's no reason to strive. Um, We struggle with the challenges and the value of challenge. And we admire no challenge. We talked last time about the rise of the anti-hero. And the anti-hero has never gone through a rite of passage. Their life has never been challenged. And some sort of way we've learned to reward that. But what we're rewarding is a character, the absence of character, the absence of ethics, the absence of depth as a person. And what I try to do is reflect upon what are the things that 
helped me become a more enduring person? What helped us create and continue a community of goodwill, tolerance, abundance, that's not wordy? It didn't come easy. It came through a lot of challenge. And how do you endure the challenge without having that muscle-bound spirit or that muscle-bound soul? It's because you go through those tears. And each one of those achievements comes with a benefit and responsibility. Betray any of those and there's no foundation to build upon. I spoke earlier before we were recording about looking in, in the martial arts of the era that I came up in. And so you would start at no rank and you would get your first belt. I remember getting my first belt and what did you have to do? First thing, you had to show up. You had to learn the fundamentals, the customs and courtesies. What did that do? Why did you have to do that? So that you could embrace the knowledge being passed on for you to you from thousands of years ago that would improve your life, make you able to, one thing, defend yourself, but also see the world in the way of a warrior. See the world as not a world of fear, a world of hopelessness, but a world that you participate in the actions of that world. And here are the tools and skills that have worked for thousands of years that are being shared with you. And the sharing was open, yet it came with responsibility to not go out and inflict harm upon others unnecessarily, to protect people if they were weak and set upon, to aid where you can to better your world. And then you were tested in, the, in a basic model of skill sets your kata, your kicking, your sparring, and each stage there would be different requirements. And I remember my first test, I, I did everything really well and it came to the sparring and I didn't exhibit enough control and I failed my first test. And it, they only tested once a year. And I understood, even as a child, I understood what they wanted from me. I failed the test and no one beat me up. They said, well, once you get control, you, you'll move up the ranks. Once you can control. And, 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 and I, I, I could barely grasp, why did I need control? Why would you need control? Of course, we, we know as we mature why you need control. Anyone can get behind the wheel of a car and stomp the gas pedal. Not everybody can corner and brake, right? So there should not just be an on and off switch. So they needed to get me to develop my trim switch, my volume switch. And I did it. And then I achieved my next rank. Well, the next rank I achieved, I really advanced. And my mother didn't know I was doing martial arts. She had no idea. And we had been in the newspaper for performing martial arts. And my mother's co-worker said, Oh, your son is great. He's in martial arts. He's in the newspaper. My mom said, yes, I've always encouraged him. The truth is she didn't want me to do it because she only saw it as me being more crazy and violent. But I would sneak off every day for four years, mm -hmm. hide my uniform in the bushes, go to martial arts class, wash it, hang it out, 
And that's what I did for you. So she found out and she showed up. And I was a very strong kid, very good at martial arts. And to this day, my teacher and his wife would tell the story. They said, you were the strongest kid that we ever trained. But when your mom came in, I was getting my rank and I fainted. I was so uncomfortable with my mom being there, I fainted. And I got up and I continued on, sweating, lightheaded, I passed my next rank. And each one of those taught me something. It wasn't a stranger, it wasn't a, it was the it was the approval of my mother that knocked me out. And those rites of passages teach you about yourself. They also expose your weaknesses. And it's not your strengths you have to be concerned with, it's your weaknesses. And, and the things you're not good at. And then once you see that, you can then wrestle the ego and work on yourself. So rites of passages have a role and a place in our world. And Jante, you asked about it. What, what was the reason that you and Rob asked about this concept of rites and passage? Um, Rob and Jante, I'd like for you guys to share with us. Um, you briefly touched on it just now at the end. Uh, I've been talking to a few of my friends, younger than me. Um, I got a phone call from one of them two weeks ago, maybe three. Uh, randomly, out the blue, I hadn't spoken to him in years. He calls me, um, you know, we chat, he says, I just wanted to check in. I was thinking about you, <clears throat> you know, you inspired me so many years ago to kind of pursue my dreams and, and work on myself. And that, you know, for me, it, it touched me because I just lived my life not looking to inspire people. Um, but we met up, had him come down, we met up, we talked, we trained. And as we were talking, I realized him, like many of my other younger friends and people my age even, they don't, they don't know themselves in any real capacity. I have dozens of friends who by like society standards have achieved success. Then they, they come back in and we go to lunch, we talk, and they feel empty. Every single one of them, they feel they've, they've made however much money, they've traveled the world, they've started businesses and sold them, and they feel empty. And when I talk to them about it, I realize they have no real direction. And I look back and we didn't have ritual, we didn't have landmarks in our lives as we were growing up. We had to make them as we went. Um, my first real landmarks were my first job was uh, learning piano. My first piano recital was one of my first landmarks, and that was 14. My next one was my first job. Then I didn't develop ritual until I started training uh, my martial arts. It wasn't until I got into the arts that I found real ritual. Even when I'm sick, even when I'm tired, even when I don't want to do this today, I know that the work is going to carry me through. Mm. I can still climb out of bed because I know, all right, I'm tired, monitor my energy. I know myself well enough to know the limit, know how far I can go and push, when to pull back. Mm. Um, that's not, it's not something that I see in most of my friends that don't come train with me or train with us. It's, it's a missing facet. And I, I, it's something I never realized until now, I can look back and say, we didn't have ritual, we didn't have landmarks. 
there was nothing that we could celebrate and, and turn inward and look into ourselves and say, mm-hmm. we accomplished this thing. Wow. How about you, Rob? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily ritual in my life um, or, or rites of passage like that. I measured it a lot, um, you know, as through coming of age, through um, specific experiences. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of things where I looked at it as this is my, this is a milestone for me. I always viewed it as something will come. But, you know, it, it was the the things that I guess I lost or that, you know, put me through some shit, the things that made me suffer. And I apply that to people as a whole. You know, I, I think when you get, you know, your first job and you suffer through the cold and you go in, that's a huge milestone, yes, but it's also, it's paired with what about when you get fired for the first time? When, right. when you get... Well, that's actually, you're speaking of rite of passage. You can be called coming of age. So what, what Rob is also describing is a rite of passage, the coming of age. Um, and those are, when, when we talk about rite of passage in terms of ritual, the, the, one of the things that we say, why do we have rituals anyway? Because they are revealing. They are very revealing. And in that revelation, in that shedding of light, one can correct things. You can make adjustments. If you never have that light to make an adjustment, then it hinders growth of all kind. He talked about the first job and the first firing. How did you get up? What did you do? Coming of age. You're maturing. You're growing. The life, your life is no longer um, a life of a child. You're an adult now. There are things that you have to do. There are th- ways that you have to restrict your behavior. There are ways you have to manage your time. How else will you know that unless you go through that? And you get fired for whatever reason. You know that it affects your ability to function in life. So it requires you to dig in. Children know nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Right? They just... It, it, so they, they haven't gone through the rite of passage, the coming of age of an adult. And it goes on for the rest of your life. The road to self-realization is not a road with a final destination. It is just that each rite you go through a passage, each coming of age moment makes you more competent to navigate that road. There are things you're used to. It's like a, a truck driver going from coast to coast who really knows the road. Not only does he know the road, he knows the season. He knows the timing of traffic. And the more he does it, the more efficient he can make it from point A to point B. An experienced trucker can get from one coast to another, oftentimes 10 hours faster than an unexperienced driver. The rite of passage. Mm -hmm. So when we say passing what? Passing an old point. Moving into a new border, a new reality. So to in our martial arts, 
In the beginning, it's just drill, learning how to show up, customs and courtesies. Like a new job. Who's in charge? Who's the next person in charge? And how low am I on the ranking system? And everybody above this is telling me what to do. Everybody's felt that. Mm -hmm. And then as you get there, then the new guy comes. Now you're telling him what to do. A year later, a few months later, you're the old guy there, right? And you, But you know not only that, but I need to treat the new guy a certain way. I need to be responsible for my behavior. The liabilities of my behavior also go with the greater benefit, ideally. We know the first heartbreak we have in our life, the first broken heart, <clears throat> excuse me, will often shape you for the rest of your life. The first heartbreak you have, that first mature heartbreak, is very different than the first adolescent heartbreak. Right? Many people are affected throughout their whole adult life by their first adult breakup. Isn't that something? Hmm. But if you don't go through that, it is very difficult to have a healthy relationship. Why? Because you don't know yourself. You never went through the passage of that phase. Right. I talked to a couple the other day, Caitlin Sauter, locksmith, and they had been together since they were 14 and they were about mid-30s, early 30s. And the minute I talked to them about it, you could see the insecurities of a 14-year-old boy and also the naivete of a girl that got married at 14. They literally had not passed into adulthood. They went through all the consequences of adulthood. They had kids, they had a small business, but their maturity in interaction was still that of junior high school kids because they had never passed that point. So here we are now, we tend to take that away from people because we don't want people to be challenged, we don't want them to fail. But failure is the bedrock of success. Failure is the bedrock of achievement. I failed my first promotion in martial arts to begin my road to mastery. So the guy you know now got there because I failed the first test. Had I not failed that first test, not only not failed it, but then showed up the next day to better myself. Many people quit after the first failure. Most people quit. That's how you know, okay, this is a special one. He came back. He kept coming back because I wanted it so bad. But I had no concept of what I wanted. I just knew I wanted it. Right. I wanted to levitate. I wanted to be good at this based on what? Nobody could tell me what that is, but in my mind, I knew when I got there, it would be okay. So to this day, how did I start the day with Rob? <laughs> how did I start the day with? Throwing the sandbag. That's right, working out. Right, right. Been doing this over 50 years, and when I saw Rob come in, because I knew you were lazy as hell, <laughs> I said, let's hit it. I do this to you guys all the time. Right. All the time. Always. Have you ever seen me not enthusiastic about that thing? No. Because you know what? I failed my first promotion. And it taught me a valuable lesson. 
that if I get up and try again, I can achieve anything. And even in this moment of great despair, the the the, the Kofifi has devastated our business. It is the goodwill of the people that love us and are going through things with us and have come through and made sure that the bills are paid when we could not do it ourselves. Not out of charity, but out of shared character, shared ethics, higher notions and ideas that were born of experiences that I had as a child. Hmm. How I've learned to value people. How I've learned to be strong and open-hearted. How I don't fear people. Each one of those steps, each one of those passages, each one of those borders allow you to be a better human being, a more well-traveled person. It's like having a passport with many stamps. I've worn out 10 passports in my life. And each border I crossed, each culture I interacted with, each stranger I met and befriended gave me something. But each one of those made me able to do the next thing. I have never traveled as a tourist. I've always traveled as a friend, becoming re-familiarizing myself with other friends. Is <clears throat> you guys are here based on a relationship defined before you were born. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? The rite of passage. So those are important things. Caitlin's rite of passage is going through a challenging time and showing up anyway. She could roll up in a ball and say, woe is me. Hell, I beat you guys up every day and you guys still show up. But you know it's I, I, my, my, my zeal, my, my, my fire that I put, because I want you to be better than me. And I tell you guys, when I saw Rob punch in the bag the other day, what did I say? <laughs> Damn it, he's got it. When I saw you do it right and I told you to teach, I told you on the phone one time, yeah, you're good, but you need to be better. Better what? Not at the things that come easy, but the things that are hard. You're good at the things that come easy to you. You're naturally gifted just like your dad. But your challenge has been the challenge, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to get good at what I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. But there's no reward other than in my soul, there is the reward that I did the right thing. That's a whole different ethic. That's a whole different character. That you know what, in the quiet of my own soul, without someone rewarding me or telling me, I did the best I could do. There is something so satisfying about that. But it takes a certain character. It takes a certain coming of age to in the quiet of your own heart. Okay, I'm going to work on that. That's a powerful thing. You follow us, Vin? Yeah, I'm sitting here listening, Z, and it's very interesting to me the way you talk about this as being sequential. So you got to go from one stage or one rite of passage that creates the foundation to go on to the next. That's what we see across cultures. There are a lot of different traditions in many cultures about coming into manhood or womanhood. If I think about the traditional approach to Hindu life, you've got those four stages where you start as a student, you become a householder, 
you become a bit of a retiree slash renunciate. And then finally, you go off to the forest and you spend the rest of your life in quiet contemplation. And it's impossible to progress to the final stage without going through the previous stages. You'd made a comment some time ago about why can't people just go and meditate or spend time alone or go and live in a cave? And yes, you can do that if you get to a certain level, but you've got to conquer all of the things that are holding you back. You have to get some control over your attention, your senses. You have to clear out all the demons, all the junk in your mind that's going to haunt you if you haven't subdued it. And probably an environment of solitude would make it that much worse. So you need to prepare and go sequentially through these different tests, these different markers to keep on evolving, keep on moving forward. So when I think about this, it is universal in a sense. I think the other implication is that if you don't go through those rites of passage or you go through them and they're empty, they don't have enough substance, you're setting yourselves up, yourself up for failure. And you mentioned the couple that you talked to. They didn't have that solid foundation because they didn't have enough experience in relationships. So, yes, you can keep on living your life. You can have kids. You can work together. You can have a job. But how strong is that relationship if it's not built on something solid, some amount of challenge, of pain, of self-discovery to create the foundation for better and better things. And if you don't have that and you keep on advancing, maybe you set yourself up inevitably for collapse. So at some point down the line, you're going to be tested at your weakest point. And if you haven't gotten that up to par or you don't have experience dealing with those challenges, you're going to crumble. You'll fall apart and I don't know what happens at that point. Maybe you can pick up the pieces. Maybe you can't. Maybe you have to go back to square one and really work on yourself. And that's where some of the awareness and perhaps volition comes in to say, wow, I'm weaker than I thought. I need to go back, shore myself up so that I can keep on moving ahead. So that's what I'm thinking when I'm hearing you talk about this. I think it ties into a lot of discussions we've had on things like bitter medicine, do the things that are hard, uh, topics around building character, make sure that you get enough challenge in your life to develop that character, develop something robust. Talk to me a bit about this idea of having a solid foundation. What have you seen happens to people when they haven't gone through those rituals or those rites of passage? What are some of the pitfalls that people run into? Well, I think about what you were saying about the different phase in Hindu life. The ashrama phase is what you're talking about, where you fulfilled all your worldly duties, and now it's your time to to meet your own destiny, your own spiritual destiny, move on to the next transition of your existence. But in order for you to do that, you have to have developed the ability to walk through the forest. What does that mean? The metaphor of walking through the forest is what do you have to do to prepare yourself to walk through the forest of life? Because on the other side of that forest is paradise. So on the path to paradise is the forest. And it's a metaphor, but there's something to that. Let's talk about being someone's friend. Why don't a lot of people have best friends? I mean road dogs. I mean trunk in the body, trunk body in the trunk best friends. Very few people have those because the first time they had a misunderstanding, a disagreement, they ended the relationship. Mm. It was over. There was never the deep soreness of saying, man, I miss you. It was a misunderstanding. I'm sorry I failed you, but you're important to me, and I want to grow and make it better. That takes the friendship 
Now you're ready to go into the forest. Because in that forest and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, it's fucking scary. Right? So you need a road dog with you, be it your partner, your buddy, your friend. And that person and that interaction with that person teaches you how to deal with other people to varying degrees. My best friend, Aunt, that, you know, passed some years ago, um, I remember when we were in the military, and I was just hardcore revolutionary. You guys know me. I've never drank, took a toke on a reefer, none of that stuff. I was always ready for war, the revolution, to better the lives of the, the disenfranchised. I was raised that way, and so I just stayed with it. So when the military was, they try to break you, they try to break you and make you this, uh, this kind of sycophant, in a sense. And I didn't believe in the, uh, these ideas, but I understood that I needed the military to pay my way through college. That was going to be a means of me bettering my life. So I was going to navigate this hellscape and still keep myself. But it's brutal. And for a young person, different kind of group, but for Ant, he didn't want to be um, focused on. He didn't want that heat on him all the time. I went in expecting the heat. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. That was my attitude. But Ann and I had different personalities. And one day he came back to our room on the on our on, on one of our base in, in, in weapons school. Uh, we had graduated from a few levels of the military and he was he was just different than me. And he said, This is hard, man. I just wanna I can't I, I don't know if I could do it. I said, We can do it, we can do it. He said, I just need a break. But the break was going to the bar, hanging out, having a few drinks, and not thinking about anything. Well, I thrived in torment. I thrived in the heat. And he did to an extent. He said, yeah, I just want to go out and party. He came back, and I could smell liquor, and I was so mad. I said, you can't do it. We can't do it. We know where we come from. You can't do it. He said, I'm sorry if I let you down, man. I said, yeah. I don't know if I can even talk to you again. He's selling out. (laughs) And we didn't speak for almost a year. And one day we were back home. And we just happened to take leave at the same time. I was at a different base. He was at another base. And we were, he was walking down the street. I was walking up the street. We ran each other on the streets. And he looked at me and said, man, I miss you so much. I miss you so much. He says, I know it sounds weird, man, but whenever I hear that song um, by Patti LaBelle, it's a song about friends. I would cry, man. I'm sorry I let you down because I know you would never let me down, but I'm sorry I let you down. I said, man, I'm sorry I put that pressure on you. And that took us so deep in our relationship that I had the fortune of being with him on the day he died of cancer. We stayed up all night and he went through the list of life. And when he went through his list of life, towards the end of his life, he named everybody he knew, his children, his wife, his mom, uncles, obscure people that I had long forgotten and didn't even know. 
And he said, there are all these people. And then about four in the morning, he said, and there's you and me. And there's you and me. Best friend. But that rite of passage, that suffering, that barrenness that, that went through, and then you face it, and you make up. He said, man, it's okay. Because besides that, I know where your head is at. I know where your heart is at. I know you're not me and I'm not you, but that makes us best friends. See, people haven't been through that. Mm -hmm. Most people quit when it's kind of bumpy. And maybe for good reason, maybe you don't value that person, but when it's real easy to devalue someone, it gets real easy to devalue people. So you find that you have no one other than superficial relationships. The ones that only at your best do you interact. See, the rite of passage, the coming of age, is hook or crook, do or die, I'm with you. Not because you're right or wrong, because you have given to me a, a, a light on my own soul. The divine has gifted me with not the presence of a deity, an avatar, the raising of baby Jesus. I'm not going to see that, but I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you right there, and you're going to shine a light on every hole in my soul. Then I can fill it up. But you have to go through something to get there. You got to know what it feels like to, to be hurt by someone, to be mad at someone, to laugh hard at someone, to, to worry about someone, to be glad to see them and them glad to see you. Then you can do that with everybody you meet. If you don't go through that, you can't be close. If you've never known hunger, you will never appreciate a meal. You have to know Miss Meal Hunger Pain to understand you have to go to that rite of passage. And each one of those makes you stronger. Stronger not just in one dimension of life, but all the trion of life, the gross, the causal, and the subtle. Your mind is clear. Your intentions are thorough. And you can just say, bring it on. Whatever it comes, I got it. Hmm. Most people can't do that. Because they quit right there. It was... They, they, they couldn't make the adjustment. Right. And so they couldn't make the sacrifice. See, sacrifice is the word sacred fire. The sacred fire that forges and alters you and changes you. To have that hard conversation, that difficult talk. To look in a person's face and say, I see you're going through it and it hurts me, so I'm going to stand by you. Not see somebody suffering and run the other way. Better them than me. I see people say that. See somebody suffering, you say, better them than me. I understand that because there are people you don't give a shit about. Or you feel they deserve it. But it's hard. Whenever I see people in trouble, I always wonder. Or I've oftentimes intervened to offer support. I don't do it for them. I do it for me. Because I've been through that. I've been through that rite of passage. I've come of age. And that affects everything. See, 
those experiences with aunt, with all these people, with your dad, with all that, has provided a place, a situation, where the two of you are part of a, a wonderful community. Where Caitlin's parents told me something when she was here, that every parent understands. They said, we were really worried. We were really worried about Caitlin. Then we came here and saw her life and met her friends. We feel safe. We are no longer worried. You guys are a part of that because of something that started 40, damn near 50 years ago. As I tell you, the difficult times you went through with your dad I never said what to do. I just said, I would like you guys to try to work it out because there are misunderstandings. He made mistakes. You've made mistakes. And the opportunity to love him, not for his perfect self, but for his scarred self. See, the forest will scar you. Life will beat your ass and you will show it. But do you want to go into a bar fight with somebody with bruised knuckles or somebody with well-manicured hands? <laughs> Who do you want standing there for you? Who do you want with you when you face these battles? You want a person that, that you know they're willing to take a blow in every area of life. In relationships, people who have never been through anything, it's very hard for them to Imagine going through anything. So when it's not good, they bailed right the hell out. So I remember a woman, one of my old clients, she came down with cancer and, 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 and she was recovering. But during the, as soon as the diagnosis happened, her husband of a few years divorced her. She, he said, I didn't sign up for this. That's what he said. What? You didn't sign up for this. How did you meet this piece of shit? No, we signed up for it. Just like right here, we signed up for it. Shit, when Bread Lady was in trouble, what the fuck, what did we do? Buckle down. You guys became Uber drivers overnight. Huh? Full did they, Caitlin? Yeah. And Full. cleaning crew. Cleaning crew and Uber drivers. Full delivery. That's cause of a rite of passage. That is coming of age. So how do you think it's going to go on in your life when you guys get to my age or do whatever? I'll be long gone. You guys will have shared and taught and I'll live in your students and in your friends and in your children the rite of passage. That's who we are. If you don't have that, you have no legacy. Mm-hmm. See, I did a thing on the Vedas yesterday and I talked about Dhritastra and Sanjaya. Sanjaya was the charity of the blind king, Dhritastra. And his name means one who can see a long distance. What they meant by he could see the future. So that's the best driver you could have. He could see the future. So he could, if you trusted him, he could tell you what would be the best path to take to have an auspicious outcome. 
So when you go through rites of passages and you share that, and that person has gone through that and they're in front of you, and they create a footpath for you, all you have to do is follow that footpath. It won't be easy. You might go through everything they went through, but you will be more experienced with that. You'll have the stories. So my stories are your stories. The things I share with you in martial arts, I always share with an open heart because that was a legacy. That was the rite of passage I went through. My first martial arts student was a guy named Tony McMillan. I think about him often. He lives in New York somewhere and I haven't spoken to him in 40 years, 30 years, 35, 40 years maybe. Shit, I'm old, fuck it, 40, 40 something years. <laughs> But like yesterday, I remember that part of my rite of passage to become a martial arts master, a teacher, was to raise a person to my level early on. So when I got my high rank, my black belt, my next test was to train another person to my level. He was my first black belt student. And he was a skinny guy like you lanky, New York, street guy, Air Force. And this boy could fight. And when we went to the test, back then it was different. To get a black belt, you had to get pummeled by other black belts. You had to have the whole knowledge base of everything your teacher presented to you. The tests were often four hours or more with breaks he had to be blindfolded and fight a number of people, breaking bricks with his feet, hands, demonstrating all of his skill. And I remember he was beat and bloody, and he could barely stand, and he walked up in front of my teacher, my teacher's teacher, and stood up straight with blood on his uniform. And they told me I couldn't sit on the panel because I would be biased. And I waited. I waited, I waited, I waited. And they said, congratulations, you're a black belt. I, went, oh. I never felt that again until my daughter was born. Right of passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're very important. Um, something that Rob said earlier and you just mentioned, it makes me think of, I mean, you know the environment that my dad comes from, that I come from, what it did to him. You know, I thank the gods for my mother because I, I truly believe that's why me and my, the people I call brothers made it out. It makes me think of my dad, myself, my, my brothers, and, and the environment that we come from. And most people that I know, the only rite of passage they know is loss. All they know is loss and suffering. To lose a family member, to lose a friend, to lose a cousin, to lose constant loss. What, how do you overcome that? Well, the rite of passage, and as Rob said, the coming of age is what you get from loss is a vacuum. Nature pours a vacuum and the open-heartedness of filling that with gratitude, with devotion, with those who have left behind, those who are still here, to see in the face 
of that new friend, the eyes of the old friend, the eyes of the old relative. That's another level of growth. That is another level of growth. It was the loss of my father that made me open-hearted to my mentors and teachers that have come and you've met some of them and they have puzzled pieced together a perfect father, a divine father, a father archetype. So to you know the, 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 the women mentors I've had in my life and people like that have taught me so much. But because I lost those who were very close to me, it drew it, it made me able to design my ideal world. And of course that's where, you know, education comes in and things like that, why it's so important to be around people who exchange knowledge. And so loss is a phantom as gain is. And that's what I share with people every day. And it's one of the reasons that I can be welcoming, open-hearted, and tolerant because all of this moments that we share is a gift. It truly is because I know the pain. And knowing that, I'm able to go deeper into the connection. Never betray friends. Mm -hmm. Never betray your acquaintances. Guard yourself with the people you share your heart with so that you can be open-hearted. I don't say be open-hearted to anyone. Check them out. You've seen the ups and downs of all of that right here. You know, little things. Manage that energy, but you learn that through the challenges we face. So life is good. You think about you said. What about all the losses? What about all the gains? We have to say that within the same breath. What about all the gains? Every day that you're here, your dad is you know, an eight-year-old boy looking up to his 20-year-old military guy and me putting on the best I could for this kid because I wanted him to to have things that I didn't have. And I get it. Here you are. Here you are. That started before you were born. Here's Rob's. It's beautiful. Everything I lost, I got back 10 times. I watched Vin in the studio the other day. It was very emotional to watch something I had always sensed in him come to. And I quietly sat back and said, yeah, that's my boy. Like being with Tony Mac. Hmm. Yeah. But you, you, when you go through things, you can face that. Go through nothing and you don't feel that. The world becomes textureless. You can avoid all those things, but your world is textureless. You don't know what a deep love is if you don't know what deep hurt is. You understand? Yeah. You don't know what it's like to have good friends you can call unless you know good friends that died. The world, the life is yin and yang. And all that thread in between the yin and yang is how you navigate that.
Do you know how beautiful it is to, when I was in the studio to watch him evolve? You know how beautiful it was when I would just joke with Kayla. She said, oh, no, Jante and Rob, they got me covered. With whatever is heavy going on in my life and my heart, you know, to be a some small part of that is just, yeah, I did something good in this world. Yeah, I did some crazy shit in this world, too. <laughs> I did some bad things. But I did some good things, too. So I got a ticket to heaven and hell. I just got to look up on the schedule and see which train I want to take. It's all good. You know what I'm saying, Vin? Yeah, I feel you, Z. We've touched on so many of the themes that we talk about here at the DPO. The idea that life becomes empty if we shy away from experience and challenge. The idea that loss and gain are both the same and we have to consider both in the same breath. The idea that whatever we go through at a point in time, even though it challenges us, it sharpens us, it makes it stronger, and that carries throughout our life. And as you're talking, it carries beyond our life. That becomes our legacy. That influences the people we leave behind. That carries through time. We don't know what the ultimate effects are of our actions. But if we're able to build the right skills in life, we can have an impact that far outlives our time on this planet. So all of that makes a lot of sense as I'm listening to you, it's kind of interesting, though, because the challenges you're talking about are some serious shit. It's dealing with the death of your father. It's someone who's going through a black belt test, and they're blindfolded, and they're getting beaten on all sides while they're trying to break bricks. In the past, you told me about old rituals in certain cultures where boys at a certain age would just be dropped off in the wilderness, or they'd be thrown into the ocean. And they have to make it back on their own. And if they could, great. They'd learn something. they learn survival skills. they develop some conviction in themselves. If they didn't, so be it. They weren't meant to survive. Or maybe it was just a twist of fate and they never came back. So these are all serious challenges that people face. And they are going to build character. If we think about modern times, which may be a little bit different, I don't know if the average person is in a position to face the same things that you faced. Part of it might be you specifically. Part of it might be as our culture evolves, it's just a different time, different place than how you grew up. So what advice do you have if we still want to meet challenges head on, go through these rites of passage? Is there an opportunity to take things that we confront in our daily lives and turn them into opportunities or rites of passage to build those same skills, even if we're not going through extremely traumatic events. Ben, I mean, you answer your own question in a sense, and as John said, said, environment. I don't think that these are unique to my life in a sense, uh, but they're different. Not everybody has to go through a war or, or, or survive naked in the woods or anything like that or create these faux situations, you know, I see people come back from vacations and they're bungee jumping off bridges or something like that or tandem skydiving and, and they think that, they, 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 I'm not talking about that. You can tell us a story about I saw you break down in the studio and I saw you show up anyway and stand back up just so you can express yourself. 
you're ever changed from that experience. That experience changed you forever. You're very qualified to discuss that. You didn't sign up for the war or get your teeth knocked out. That isn't what I'm talking about. I'm not measuring it like that. I'm looking at facing yourself. At different challenges present and you face yourself. Or sticking it out. Enduring. Learning from what you go through. Striving to be better. Letting go of things that you hold very dear that are hindering you or hindering your relationships or hindering your forward progress or whatever. Face it. Face it. That's your wilderness. And right now, people don't want to face it. They'd rather go uh, bungee jumping or tandem parachuting. And say, oh, I was scared for a minute. I faced death. No, you didn't. You didn't face anything. You might as well put on a VR headset and pretend to be uh, jumping off a cliff, right? So when you stand there naked in your own deep emotion, stand there, endure, endure. Because on the other side of that forest is paradise. So you can't quantify it by someone else's journey or struggle. But you can learn from that. You can use that as a baseline of what is character. What is sincerity? What is the depth of your soul? What is, how can you take the blow and get up? How can you get up in the dignity of your own soul after you've been knocked down? How can you show up anyway? How can you throw it all overboard and survive? Whatever that challenge is for you, it's not somebody else's thing. But each one you meet, you get better at that. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, Z, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, and maybe it was a leading question. Uh, you're right that the things that I've done recently with the music, it's forced me to release a certain amount of control to operate in a new way, to become vulnerable, become emotional in front of people that I don't even know, I may never see again. But I was willing to do it because that's what it took. And it is that mindset of, I'm going to make this great and I'm going to do what it takes to get this project off the ground. I was thinking of that Eminem song that you and I were listening to, the Lose Yourself, that this is the shot, this is the opportunity. I was out there for a couple of weeks uh, working with some of the best in the business. And this was it. I had to stand up and deliver. And it was funny because even my attitude changed in those few days that I spent. The first day I came in, it was almost like I was apologetic in the sense that I knew I was new to this. And I said, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to do my best. I'm really going to give this my best shot. And that was before I'd gotten into the process and gotten to an area of significant discomfort. And after I was knocked around a bit and scarred a little bit and really in the fight, maybe down in the dirt, my whole attitude changed. And I came in the next day and I said, fuck this. I'm not going to try and do this. I'm going to do it. There's no more trying. There's just doing. I have to do this. That's right. That's what we're talking about. And everybody in their life can do that. Face something. Stand by something. And not just 
look for the most comfortable place to be, not look to dispatch that tension or stress onto another person. That's your rite of passage, however it presents itself to you. And to each person it can be a little different. The way you know you're there is that it's hard. Like you said, you're a controlling ass. And you had to just let go of control, surrender, so you could fly. And when you surrendered, the lion roared. So maybe this is a good place, Z, for us to wrap up. And I'll just add one thought. On top of what you said, one thing I've observed is expectations and just having a realistic assessment of what is required to progress and build skills. And we're in this age of instant gratification. So part of it is having the attitude that I'm going to do what it takes. And part of it is knowing that even if you do that, things take time. There's a certain process that you have to go through. We talked about it in martial arts. I think about it in the corporate environment as well, where you've got people who always want to move up to the next level, but never sufficiently immerse themselves in what they're doing, never put in the time and the effort. They're always bouncing from one thing to the next and typically don't advance. And the ones who are willing to put up with a certain amount of pain, boredom, frustration, whatever it is, they get to a point where what they're doing is a lot more fun and a lot more lucrative. So whatever area we're thinking about in life, maybe our audience can keep those two principles in mind. We have to get up, rise up, face the challenge, face ourselves, continuously evolve. And we have to do it from a spirit of surrender and gratitude and knowledge that it's not about getting a result, getting some immediate satisfaction. It's a process of sharpening ourselves, refining ourselves, and then passing on that knowledge in our life and to the people that we work with, all the people that we influence. So that's it for rites of passage. We think about it in a conventional way as a certain set of rituals. It's broader than that. It's, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. And I think whatever we do in life, whatever situation we're in, treat that as a rite of passage. Treat that as a way to grow, to evolve, to be your best self. And I think that's what I get from you, Z. That's the example you set. It works for you. It's worked for me. Maybe our audience can try it out. It works for all of us. And the passage, the passage through the forest and the paradise is yourself realize. You own yourself. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.